today on Ag News Daily. That's where the nitrogen fixation is going to occur. And you got to think of it as like thousands of little nodules throughout the plant that can provide an alternative source of nitrogen throughout that growing season. So that's been a big benefit. Well, listeners, February 7th, 2023, today's episode is brought to you by Invita. Your solution to season-long nitrogen fixation when and where your crop needs it. Tanner and Jennifer here to bring you the latest headlines today. Jennifer, good morning. Good morning. It is a bright and early morning for myself, but ready to get at them today. That's right. It's a little bit of cloud cover here. Of course, we're still seeing above normal temperatures for this time of year in the state of Iowa, melting a lot of our snow. Parts of Wisconsin, though, are going to be getting some hazardous conditions due to a round of storms and near freezing temperatures. Storm systems looking to forecasted to pass through that area starting tomorrow, lasting into Thursday evening. It's not clear, Jennifer, what the snow amounts are going to be. It's kind of across the board, but the roads will be slippery for travelers. But when you look down in the south, Missouri, Oklahoma, Arkansas, we'll see thunderstorms and rain and uh, possibly see those storms push a little bit further into Thursday, but they will likely see heavy periods of rain tonight. So that area, I think, could use it, and we're glad that they are going to get it. Most definitely. Yeah, but let's jump into my first headline for today. We had talked about the cattle industry convention or cattle con that happened last week in New Orleans. Well-known equipment brands are working with the cattle industry. They're looking to provide some latest technology increases in forage equipment, specifically balers. Case IH has several upgrades to their smaller size round balers, their economical size. The ones that take only 45 horsepower and make four to five foot bales, they've improved their pickup heads by 30%, so just over five feet wide now. They are able to drive faster to take the material in. They also have six belts now to apply pressure and control bale density. Deer announced that they've got a bale mobile app, which you can now use to collect moisture and weight information from the bales made in their John Deere balers. This technology is now uh, had been used only on high density square balers. Uh, but now is available to the regular producer. And New Holland says that their Pro Belt Round Baler series is introducing a more dense bale. So their Pro Belt Superfeed and Crop Cutter, as well as other models, are now getting their popular Round Bale Standard belts to make thicker and tighter bales. They also have long lasting and thicker steel bodies as well as higher temperature bearings. So it looks like the cattle industry and forage industry is getting some focus from the major manufacturers, Jennifer. Well, that is good because the cattle industry is also getting a major focus from senators right now in legislation reform. Lawmakers are taking another shot at trying to pass legislation to fix the cattle market. Last Thursday, farm state senators introduced a bill that would, among other things, mandate the amount of cash trade in the cattle market. However, the same hurdles for passage remain in the House and Senate. Senators including Chuck Grassley of Iowa, Deb Fisher of Nebraska, Ron Wyden of Oregon, and John Tester of Montana, plus 18 other co-sponsors, 
reintroduced the bipartisan Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act of 2023. Its legislation, they say, will improve price discovery and transparency in the cattle market. The legislation would mandate regional cash minimums and equip producers with more market information, including permanently authorizing a cattle contract library. While the measure is supported by the U.S. Cattlemen's Association, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association is opposed. Tanner Bamer, Senior Director of Government Affairs with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, says our members have given us very strong and very firm policy that says they don't think there is a role for the federal government in determining what is an appropriate level of negotiated trade. That is something for the industry to take on and something for the industry to decide for itself. And NCBA has been a very important part of that process in trying to get that done on a voluntary basis to raise some of those negotiated trades up in the interest of price discovery. Bamer says the cattle fact market is in recovering is proof that the market can be fixed by means other than legislating mandates. Last year, this bill did not pass out of the Senate Ag Committee, but was not brought up for consideration before a new Congress was elected. Bamer doesn't think the bill has enough support in the Senate for passage. And so far, there is no companion legislation that has been reintroduced in the House. Oh, there you go. And legislatures are continuing to stay busy on the aspect of the weather balloon. China issued an update here Tuesday morning saying that it will resolutely safeguard its legitimate rights and interests over the shooting of the suspected Chinese spy balloon. Now, the United States government had canceled a trip that poises to potentially deteriorate relations even further. But the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Wilkin, stated that this was a highly anticipated visit to Beijing and is not warranted at this time until there is an improvement in relations. Even though China claimed that it was a civilian balloon used for meteorological research, they've refused to say which government department or private company that it belongs to. Their foreign ministry spokesperson, uh, Mao Ning, stated on Tuesday that it was an unmanned airship that posed no threat to the U.S. and entered U.S. airspace accidentally. Mao again criticized the United States for overreacting rather than choosing a calm, professional manner for using force to bring down their balloon. When she was asked if the debris should be returned to China, she simply said that that balloon belongs to China. The balloon does not belong to the U.S. The Chinese government will continue to resolutely safeguard its legitimate rights and interests, which, Jennifer, sounds a little bit concerning to where when the initial Chinese response is that they had regret for the balloon having entered the United States and were initially sorry, but now they're taking a more firm stance and wanting the U.S. to return the materials and all aspects of that balloon to the Chinese government. Hmm, that is interesting to say the least. But before before you get into your next head, before you get into your next headline, have you heard that there is a new nitrogen in town? Invita provides a constant season-long nitrogen supply created directly with the cells of your crops plants. With Invita, there is no application guesswork. In furrow or foliar, Invita fits your farm's practices and works all season long to provide accessible nitrogen when and where your crop needs it. 
To learn more about filling your nitrogen gaps this growing season, visit azoticna.com. That is A-Z-O-T-I-C-N-A.com. What do you got next, Jennifer? Yeah, staying on the train of updates from some stories yesterday, the Turkey Syria leader has given an update on the death toll as the overall death from the earthquakes yesterday has passed 5,100 people. In a state of emergency in 10 provinces devastated by two earthquakes that killed more than 5,100 people and they also left a trail of destruction across a wide area of southern Turkey and neighboring Syria. A day after quakes hit, which is today, recruiters working in harsh condition were struggling to dig people out of the rubble of collapsed buildings in a race against time, as they said it. As the scale of the disaster became ever more apparent, the death toll looked likely to rise considerably. One UN official said it was feared thousands of children may have even been killed as well. Thousands of buildings were toppled. Hospitals and schools wrecked and tens of thousands of people were also injured or left homeless in several Turkish and Syrian cities. The magnitude of the earthquake was 7.8, which is the deadliest in Turkey since 1999, with the second one hitting hours later. Yikes, I had kind of watched some of that last night on the news. Uh, It seems like that is not good for that area. It's also really difficult to explain to an eight-year-old what an earthquake is so uh, if anybody has any advice on how to do that make sure you reach out to us on ag news daily social media platforms but one more update uh for a conversation we had yesterday is talking about the mississippi river and ohio river levels obviously as february hit here some of those rivers saw increased levels due to rain and snow up river however as of february 5th which was sunday the water level gauge in St. Louis, Missouri, was a foot below the zero gauge and was falling. Other key areas such as uh, Cario for the Ohio River was seeing levels that looked okay, but they expect for that level to fall again without any additional rains. So potentially some of this system that we reported on at the beginning of the show may help out there. But Jennifer, diesel prices are up 78 cents from over a year ago, according to the Energy Information Administration. The average U.S. price of diesel ran at $4.62 a gallon for the week that ended January 30th. That was 78 cents, like I said, above this time last year. The East Coast is getting the worst hit at $4.84 a gallon on average, which was a 98-cent jump from last year. We also saw this week Europe announcing their ban on Russian diesel fuel and other refined oil products trying to curb their energy dependence on Russia. This ban allows for a 55-day grace period for diesel and other oil stocks that are loaded on tankers prior to Sunday. Of course, they still have a way around this ban if they are able to purchase fuel below the price cap. Uh, That's the only way that they will be able to get imports from Russia at a cap of $45. So Russian crude oil is now at that level. So it has to be pretty low prices for them to get anything in from Russia, which will further put Europe into a energy potential crisis if they can't find replacements for that. But that's the last headline I have, Jennifer. What do you have left? Yeah, I have one headline left on drought continuing to pressure the cattle industry. 
University of Missouri's Scott Brown says, especially over the last two years, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Montana, North Dakota, and South Dakota as six states have overall lost more beef cattle than the rest of the country combined. He said that with less than 29 million head of beef cattle in the United States, it is the country's lowest beef inventory since 1962. But Brown also said that the expansion of cattle will not happen quickly as heifers kept for breeding were down almost 6% this year, which means it is pretty tight and nothing can be really done to grow the overall herd back yet. But he says any potential growth in the cattle herd will depend largely on profitability for producers in the weather forecast. And once expansion begins, he says there will be an even bigger production hole in the short term. When we start holding heifers back instead of putting them in a feed yard, all of a sudden that hole in production will grow, Scott Brown said, which he also believes will create additional opportunities for higher prices. And speaking of prices, what do our markets look like today, Tanner? Yeah, before we get into those, I will hit one more ad. So remember here that Invita provides constant and season-long nitrogen supply. That nitrogen comes when and where a crop needs it, and it has never been easier to access. Either apply it in furrow or foyer. Invita grows with the plant, colonizing roots and leaves to fix nitrogen in the cells where it needs it most. Whether you're boosting yield or reducing your nitrogen inputs, Invita is the partner your crops have been looking forward looking for to bridge nitrogen gaps all season long. To learn more about Invita, visit azotic-na.com. That is A-Z-O-T-I-C-N-A.com. But yes, the bears in the overnight had a little bit of a hold on the markets here as we get ready to open up. Corn obviously looking at what lower demand in exports would be as the WASDI report is due out tomorrow. Beans are talking the U.S.-China relations that we reported on. Corn opens two cents down at six seventy-seven. Beans, however, up four and a half to fifteen twenty-one. Wheat coming in at seven dollars and fifty cents, nearly unchanged in the overnight. Live cattle up a half a penny to one sixty eighty-two. Lead feeder cattle 160 up to 187.7. Lean hogs also only front month contract in the green. When you look at April, we are down 375 to 82.72 and a half. So this is a little bit of a mixed day for markets, Jennifer. But who do we have in our conversation today? Today we are talking with Tom Trigato of Ex- Exotic Technologies. We are talking global technology today with Tom Tregano, who is the global product manager for Azotic Technologies and specifically working with the Invita product, which we're going to talk a little bit more about here, Tom. But thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Certainly appreciate your time. As well. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you. So, Tom, tell us a little bit about your role and your background uh, and how you got into a global position like this. Yeah, you know, so my role is, as you mentioned, like global product management. So really that's, you know, helping with a bit of jack of all trades, really um, touching on the marketing, the logistics, uh, the R&D and, and really uh, commercializing this product for a lot of markets around the world. So my background it, it was actually crop protection. You know, I've got into working with the uh, 
Azotic and Invita around four years ago. And it has just been absolutely exciting. Um, it's just been very consistent, exciting product to work with. Um, so it's been a blast. Well, let's just jump right into it. What is the product? Yeah, so the product in Vita is a natural food grade bacteria. So what we're talking about here is a bacteria that can fix atmospheric nitrogen um, inside the inside the cells of both the leaves and the roots of multiple different crops. So we're talking about nitrogen fixation beyond, say, what we're used to with rhizobia on soybeans. So really nitrogen fixation in corn, but beyond corn, it's cereals, uh, potatoes, uh, rice, cotton. So it, it has just been, uh, again, a, a very exciting, um, it's been a product that's been a long time in development. So really, you know, this bacteria was actually discovered way back in the 80s. Um, and it's been that long and, and really just discovering how does this bacteria work? How can we get it to colonize other species? And uh, and then and then really we started commercialization in, in 2019. And that was the the first kind of introduction on on getting it to to work in uh, commercial settings in, in the U.S. So I wanted to ask a clarity question here, Tom, because we've talked a lot lately about biologicals. Would this product be considered a biological? Yeah. So one way to think of it is is really biological fertility. Um, you know, we we very much position this as, a, as another tool for farmers to 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 really push their yield. So, you know, one of the probably the most common questions we'll get on this is how much nitrogen can I replace or what's the best way to use it? And, and you know, we've run hundreds and hundreds of trials, both on a small scale setting and, and a large scale setting. Admittedly, most of our data has been on corn, right? That's been our core focus. But really what we're finding is, you know, we're always going to promote the best return on investment. And what we're seeing is this Invita allows you to, you know, push your yield quite a bit higher. So most of the our data and most of the growers that have been using it have been using it on top of their current fertility program and really tried to push for higher yield. And, you know, because this bacteria, you know, I think what's really unique about it is that, you know, it is systemic. So it will, like a foliar application will get throughout the leaves. It will grow as that plant grows. And it, it kind of think of it as, you know, we're used to nodules with soybeans. This bacteria will, will basically form a structure within the cell. That's where the nitrogen fixation is going to occur. And you got to think of it as like thousands of little nodules throughout the plant that can provide an alternative source of nitrogen throughout that growing season. So that's been a big benefit, you know, particularly when you get into uh, situations where you may have lost some nitrogen, um, you know, even drought conditions where that crop can't always access the nitrogen that's in the soil. Having this alternative form of nitrogen has been really helpful uh, to push these yields up. So you mentioned that your focus has been on corn, uh, reasonably so, but has there been a area focus? You know, is it the middle of the United States or what's the territory in which this product could be used on? Yeah. So, I mean, it's broadly available throughout the U.S. Midwest. Um, you know, most of our I mean, naturally, most of our trials have been in the you know Iowa region, but we you know done quite a lot of work into Indiana, Illinois, um, with the various universities as well to you know um, to get a better data set. I mean, in, in any biological and for us as well, I mean, the, a big part of our 
introduction of this is to, just to build some trust. I mean, obviously there's going to be some hesitation on, on any biological, anything new. So we've really taken a, an approach on, on building trust at the distributor level, at the research level. Um, it's going to take time before, you know, farmers in, in the market's going to get a, is really going to understand and, and trust how these things can work. And quite frankly, we still have a lot to learn as well. Right. So, you know, I think as the market learns more on how these biologicals can work together, um, I think we're going to see a lot more of these kinds of products uh, in the future, for sure. So, Tom, let's talk about some of those trials and research that you've mentioned there, because as you as you said earlier, you've done a lot of it. So tell us a little bit about some of the trials you've done and what kind of results have you seen? Yeah, yeah, great question. So typically we're looking at you know, the most common trial, I mean, I, I, my preference is the strip trials, um, but more commonly we're looking at a split field. So the, the product is a, is packaged in a 40 acre, uh, gallon. We're looking at things like, um, like application timing, which, you know, the vast majority of it is going on with the post-emergent herbicide. So it's really, I think another key feature of this product is we're not asking anyone to do anything differently. Um, it's simply just adding it into your current post-emergent herbicide program. Um, what we're looking for is yield increases, uh, treated and untreated under varying different soil types, different fertility levels and hundred percent fertility, which would be normal, right? Um, we're, we're typically getting at least an eight, you know, around an eight bushel response has been the consistent you know, reliable, you know, mark that I'd say you could expect. That's been higher in other regions where where nitrogen may have been uh, lost. And, and typically, in, you know, maybe a very wet year. We definitely saw that in some areas in, in 2019 and where we had some pretty wet conditions. I mean, we were getting much higher yield responses in, in that kind of situation. So as you look at the potential clients for this product, what are some of the barriers to entry to adopting a technology like this? And, and cross is the big one, right? Like, you know, you, you need, there are no shortcuts to this. You need to do, you need to build trust at the local level with the local agronomists in different regions. And, and I think, I think that's what it, it's always going to boil down to. You got to make sure that, you know, there's a good understanding of how it works the best ways to use it um, and, and, and giving them an opportunity to try it risk-free. So one, one of the big things that we've done has, has been core to our strategy and we're still doing it now, recognizing that this is new and we don't, we have this program where we'll actually guarantee a pro this product. So if it doesn't give you a yield response, we'll provide you with new product again for the following season. And, and again, we, we just want to, the intent of that is to work with folks that want to give this a, a shot over a couple of years. So, you know, we want to build that experience um, uh, across the regions, um, different, again, different soil types, different uh, climates, um, and, and, and try and get a good data set locally um, to build trust in this. Cause I, I think that's what it's always boils down to, um, you know, who does a grower trust, you know, they're going to trust data on their farm first. They're going to trust their local agronomists. I mean, they're not always going to trust, uh, any manufacturer. They're going to want to see it for themselves. And that's why we're, we've kind of led with these guarantees and, uh, and really partnering with the, the local dealers all over the countryside. 
So Tom, is this product currently commercially available for farmers or still in the research and development stages? No, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's quite, uh, it's widely available. So most of the main distributors have access to it. So if anyone wanted to get their hands on some, the best bet is to talk to your local dealer. Uh, of course, you know, you can always visit our website at www.azotic-na.com and we can connect you with, you know, distributors and, and dealers in your area. So it, it is quite broadly available. Again, we've been commercial since 2019. Most of our early data has been kind of focused around the Iowa, South Dakota region, but we're, you know, over the last few years, we've really built that out. Um, east and west from that point. Hey, this sounds like an exciting project or exciting product that we can reveal to our listeners. Appreciate that. And have one final question, just as a lot of the headlines are focused around the sustainable actions and sustainability in agriculture, how do biologicals work towards making agriculture more sustainable? Personally, I think, you know, I think farmers are are some of the best environmentalists out there. And, you know, I think a lot of the press is, it's been, it's been somewhat disappointing that, you know, they, they get a lot of fingers pointed at them, but the reality is they're doing the best things they can. I think anything, whether it's a biological or new slow release fertilizers or new, new equipment, it, it's always going to boil down to these products need to be consistently showing a good ROI for that farmer before they're going to take off. And I think, What's been, I think, exciting about this, I and mean, for me, being on a background in crop protection, you know, diving into the biological world, it's just, it's the consistency of it and the consistent ROI. And if we can't show that, um, they're not going to take off. And what's nice about this is we can have both here, right? We can have something that, you know, is showing a good ROI for that farmer and, and has an environmental message as well. And, you know, a lot of these things are going to come forward in the future, I'm sure, but let's make sure that, uh, that everyone's profitable first. Um, I think that's goal number one. <laughs> no, I really like that. And our listeners are going to enjoy this conversation. So we really appreciate you taking the time to share it's your a pleasure talking to you guys. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's been, um, it's been a, exciting to work with this product. I, I just, you know, our whole team has had a blast again. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us and, uh, well, we can help you with any questions or that you have. Yeah. Thank you. Well, there you go, Jennifer. Another good Tech Tuesday interview here. Listeners, remember, if you have headlines that we've missed or if you have companies that we should talk with, Make sure you hit us up on our social media. Find Ag News Daily all over the place. Jennifer, thanks for helping out again today. But what do you say? Should let the listeners go? Let's let them go.